Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Can we record the fact that you're sitting in tears right now and how like my heart is bursting seeing you cry buckets um, because I feel she like loves I'm she loves that I'm crying. <laughs> I love that you're crying. Um, and it's it's interesting because I felt so much emotion when I saw her come on and like I could I could feel myself like Danae deep breaths keep it together and um, yeah it's. This feels like one of those moments of just such gratitude and divine orchestration. And um, yeah, keep going. Y'all, I'm going to have a hard time <laughs> speaking Vanessa's right now. Crying. <laughs> uh, we just got off and this is who you'll hear soon. Um, we're so excited to bring this conversation to you because we think it's important for so many reasons. I mean, number mm-hmm. one, obviously Danae and I are crying because it's a little bit of fangirl when like somebody who you have been, uh, I don't want to say it's not a fan, right. But it's like, it's like she has given so much clarity and so many teachings to the both of us along our journey far before we even ever met. Right. Um, you're about yeah. to hear Marianne Williamson. Holy shit. I mean, holy shit. Can I just say that out loud that we just talked to Marianne Williamson? Um, but I think and and I'll I'll give you guys a little insight. When we stopped recording, we had a conversation, the three of us, around how, you know, listen, Danae and I, this is not a political co- podcast, right? We're not going to talk political nuance. Um, and sure, we have our own beliefs and whatever, and they come up when they come up, but that's not really what we talk about on this podcast. And so obviously she knew coming on, you know, we're two therapists, we talk spiritual psychology, depth psychology. So we didn't go into um, specifics about her policies, right? That's not what the conversation was about. What it actually was about was exactly what you and I talk about all the time, which mm-hmm. is we are in, <laughs> which is, which is, I mean, how do I, how do I narrow this down? Right. But it's like, we are in a moment in history that is fucking pivotal, pivotal women, women, especially need to wake up and understand how important it is to have your eyes wide open right now and realize that there are. God, I don't even know today. I'm having, I'm, I'm struggling even, I'm, I'm struggling to even put this into words. Yeah. You know, the reason I jumped in is because you said, which it, which is, and I was saying, yes. yeah, we, we were talking about witches. Um, but it's such an interesting thing. And, you know, when I think of Marianne Williamson, certainly I think of her as such, um, 
a like deeply rooted source of inspiration, but also like everything about who she is and the way that she, I've seen her, um, move with such integrity and such a like walking her walk sense. Like I've, I've seen it over the years. I, I can give you examples, um, that it has impacted the entire trajectory of what I think is possible for me to be as a woman, real talk, the times that I feel like it's too hard, or I want to feel sorry for myself. I think of things that I have seen her, um, think of things that I've heard her say moments where I have seen how she has met difficult moments with the larger truth versus like the fear of the ego. And, you know, the reason I was joking, um, when, you said, which is, and I was like, yeah, we were talking about witches is because I think there is something about the way that we as women in a moment where from my perspective, and I know we've talked about this a lot, what we are witnessing is the rise of the feminine principle on a collective level. And we are in the space where as much as with growth, there is excitement and there is possibility and imagination. There is so much overwhelming fear and um, wanting to cling to the old and wanting to um, to just like to minimize like the larger truths of who we are as souls. And I mm -hmm. think that was a little bit what we were speaking to her about and like that in a historic context of what has been done to women, not only um, to make us fear like other people, but like fear ourselves, right. And how we start to turn on one another. And if you look at like the Salem witch trials and like all of these things about like how women were burned alive, that couldn't have happened without women being active participants in yep. the crucifix crucifixion of other women. Do you yep. know what I mean? And that's what we're reliving now. And we watched it in 2016 with, with Hillary and it doesn't even matter whether or not you agree with the politics. It's more about the crucifying of the, the person, Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something I was so struck by in this conversation that y'all will hear is, and one of the things I've actually always been struck by with her and her teachings. And when I've, I've heard her speak multiple times live is her realness. That's yeah. probably why for me, I've always been like super drawn to her because she'll do this thing where she goes enough, like cut the bullshit. She's like very like brass tacks. And I mean, for those who are listening, you probably know, I love that. Right. Like give me all the brass tacks. Um, but even in the conversation we were having a minute ago, she, you know, it's like enough of this whole like victimhood, enough of this whole like, oh, I don't really understand politics. So like, I'm not going to get involved enough of the like, it's a lot of the excuses that I think women use to stay small. And I think we do know, we know how to be advocates and activists in our own communities. We know how to be that within our own families. We know the truth. It's about actually acting on that truth. And I think the action is what is so scary for so many people. Um, Cause it's even, I mean, listen, we could break it down to like individual therapy. We can have all of the aha moments that we want, but if we're not willing to then go out and do the hard thing, set the boundary, speak up for yourself, communicate a need, right? The, the change is never going to happen. It just lives in your head. It's like an aha moment. I mean, okay, aha moments are great, but like, what are you doing tangibly with that aha moment, right? It's so much, it's just as important to actually be doing the tangible work, no matter how hard it is. Yeah. I think something that we've been talking about lately a lot is this new Barbie movie that has come out that has just been, from my perspective, such a potent um, tangible demonstration of what is changing collectively and how that there is a collective awakening happening from my perspective. And, you know, there's this moment, this isn't really like a giveaway in the film, but we're like, Barbie lies down on the ground and it's just like, I can't, it's too hard. I give up. And she's just like, I'll just wait for someone to come and save me, you know? And that's a little bit what I think Marianne is speaking to in this conversation to a certain extent. There's yes. like the starting to be sovereign and governed from an inner authority means nobody's coming to save you. There's no patriarchal dad who's going to hold it down and be accountable for your life except you. The idea that there's a knight in shining armor who is either coming to save you or frankly responsible for your pain, those mm. days are dead. Yeah. Right. And so who do we want to be, ladies? Like, I really feel like that was the takeaway from me, for me, from that conversation. And frankly, 
if I am pointing the finger at my sister without really taking accountability for, you know, what what is this about, <laughs> right? Like, what is this about in me that the three needs fingers to make... pointing back at yourself? Yeah, yeah, another another woman, another person, um, wrong without sort of like taking accountability for how I'm showing up. Like, if Marianne Williamson is somehow not what you believe is the solution, what are you doing to be a part of the solution? Do you know what I mean? And I also think it's really important to say that while I'm a a fan of hers, even politically, because I do believe in almost all of her policies, actually, and I've done a lot of research on it. I mean, of course, not all, because I don't think there's ever a person that you're going to always agree with. Um, But I would say, like, even if you don't agree with her politically, that's totally fine. I don't think anybody's here to say, this is what you have to believe in, and this is what you have to vote for, or you have to vote for. But I think the larger takeaway from this conversation is you can disagree with someone's policies, but if you find yourself attacking their character and you don't know them at all, or if you find yourself reading one thing on the internet and believing it to be true, and then you find yourself spreading like, oh, well, did you hear that she's a bitch without actually having tangible uh, like reason to know, no, not believe, but know that that's the truth, especially because she's a woman, my question would be, why is that? Why is that? Why why can you not disagree with somebody's politics without also simultaneously ripping down her character? Right. Um, and I think I think that is one of the bigger takeaways that I've I've really um I don't know that I'm sitting with from this. And I I also will say too that it is refreshing to have somebody who I respect as a spiritual leader and teacher um be so real in like the I'm really struggling right now. I'm struggling to stay in my integrity. I'm struggling to stay in the love. It's hard. You know, people are ripping me down. And that was moving to me. It was it was refreshing to me. She wasn't speaking at us. She's not up on a pulpit telling her, telling people, you know, I'm perfect and this is how you should live your life. It's like, no, man, I'm in this. I'm I'm fucking struggling. And I I just really respect that. And that's gonna be something I sit with, I think, for the rest of today, too. Yeah. You know, I think this conversation, this moment in history is so much bigger than politics or policies to me. I think it's a moment of, frankly, collective soul retrieval Mm -hmm. and us in this space of really getting real with ourselves about like, who do we want to be Yeah, as a human race, right? Like, how do I want to say I showed up for this life in integrity with what my values were? And I think so often what's lost to me in these conversations politically and why sometimes I, I, you know, I am guilty of like tuning out a little bit to what feels like the constant noise is that I do believe basically fundamentally um, we are like good people, <laughs> you know, the people that are in our communities and the people that I come in contact with are not what is sort of showcased in the fear-based conversations around like what's happening in in the world and in the collective. But I think to the point you're making, I think when I am othering and villainizing and, you know, somebody said someone was something. And so that's what I'm going with. I think it really becomes incumbent upon us to say to ourselves, like, who do I want to be? Is that the energy that I want to spread around and say, that's what I stand for? Or do I want to dig a little deeper and, um, and, you know, make myself accountable for like walking my walk a little bit, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel like she doesn't really need an introduction, <laughs> but maybe that's just us. I will actually read you her proper bio because for anybody who is new to Marianne, I mean, Danae and I could give you a long list of book recommendations, a long list of spiritual, <laughs> I'm sure links and videos that you could watch all the old school Marianne Williamson stuff, but uh, I'll just read this because I think it's important. So Marianne Williamson is a best-selling author, seven I believe it's seven out of 10 of her books are uh, New York Times bestsellers, political activist and spiritual thought leader. For over three decades, she has been a leader in spiritual and religiously progressive circles. She is the author of 50, oh, it says it right here. She is the author of 15 books, oh, four of which, okay, I was wrong, have been number one New York Times bestsellers. 
this is the important piece of her background personally to me. Williamson founded Project Angel Food. This was a long time ago. This is really where she kind of got her start. A nonprofit organization that has delivered more than 14 million meals to ill and dying homebound patients since 1989. The group was created to help people suffering from the ravages of HIV AIDS. And I've heard her speak about this. And this was born out of very close relationships um, of fr friends of hers that were passing away in the, in the, especially in the gay community in Los Angeles from HIV and AIDS. She also has worked throughout her career on poverty, anti-hunger and racial reconciliation issues. In 2004, she co-founded the Peace Alliance and supports the creation of a U.S. Department of Peace. Williamson ran for the Democratic nomination for president in 2020. And then if you're so called, her link is Marianne2024.com. Mm. Excuse yeah. me while I go this make some TikToks. Me... <laughs> right. Yeah. I think this woman makes me proud to pronounce my name woman, as yeah. um, I think you sometimes hear people say. And I just think... Um, you know, she does not have to be in this mm -hmm. thing that she is in. And it just speaks to, to me, all of us really getting clear, like, what do I want to do with this life, with this time? How do I want to have an impact? And I'm just mm -hmm. so grateful to have had this opportunity to sit back with her I, or sit with her. I feel so inspired after this conversation. And then I think our listeners will too. Agreed. Ah. Okay. So we're going to dive in because Zanae and I think are a little bit overwhelmed a bit mm -hmm. with gratitude and emotion for who we have on the show today. Um, so oh, first so off, welcome back everybody to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. And today, Zanae, you want to you wanna take it? I feel like you should take this one. I'm grateful to be able to have the opportunity to take this one. I'm really trying to keep the emotions in check, to be honest with you. Um, Marianne, this feels like one of those God shot moments just to have you here to say thank you. I feel flooded with gratitude. You've been such a foundational teacher and um, person in my life that in my darkest, most challenging moments, it is your voice that I come back to and find strength in the things that you have taught me. Thank you for all that you are, um, not just in my life, but for so many of us, you have been that. And the opportunity to say thank you feels like one of those moments in my life I want to just truly thank God for. Thank you for doing this and thank you for who you are. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's very moving to me uh, what you're saying, but it's even more moving to me that you would say it. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for the acknowledgement. Thank you for the kindness and the generosity. It's uh, truly my honor to think that I have in any way impacted your life with my work. And I look forward to all the ways that I'm sure we can all impact uh, life further together. Obviously, I'm sure what you're doing with this podcast, you're just passing it along. So it's a beautiful thing. And thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. I think one of the things that Vanessa and I speak to a lot that has been a foundational principle in my life and in the way that I hold space for others is that in every moment we are choosing between fear and love. Um, I say that often. And I guess to start off, I am curious to hear about why you've made the decision to run for president at a time when I think the fear feels so big, um, the division, the, the lack of um, connection to our soul space, really, from my perspective, just feels overwhelming at times. So first of all, why you made the decision to do that? And then I'm really curious how you hold that at a time like this. Well, your question implies your answer. Mm -hmm. uh, the very fact that it is such a fear-based moment is the answer to why I'm doing this. How do I hold the space? You were saying a few minutes ago, a quote from The Course in Miracles, which is at every moment you're choosing between fear and love. Mm -hmm. I have never been in a situation where it is more challenging to do that. Mm -hmm. You wake up in the morning. Somebody's lying about you casually. Thousands of people are reading it. People are assuming it's true just because some anonymous source put it on the Internet. And I'm supposed to be in love and forgiveness. <laughs> right, right. To yeah. the point where you feel like you're being online bullied. And it's almost all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Now, some people say don't read Twitter. But to some extent, it's important to know the narratives that are in the ether. Social media is mm -hmm. so powerful. 
-hmm. And a story can be told. It could be that I'm wacky. It could be that I'm kooky, crystal lady. And this year, much worse than that. Mm-hmm. Not a nice person, fired people, treated people wrong. I mean, they know the they, the larger they, what to say to create a narrative, whatever is needed in whatever situation to get someone out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So when you say how to hold the space, First of all, I don't think 100% I do. I go into victim. I go into how dare they. I go into bitterness. I go into what I could do. But every time there seems to be somebody who will say to me what theoretically Marianne Williamson should already be saying. (laughs) But sometimes it can be difficult to priest yourself, can't it? We can know things, but when our own triggers or our own blind spots are there that's when we need other people <laughs> so i would say i hold the space through the grace of god and with the help of other people mm. Mm. beautiful it's Ooh. easy to be wise in the abstract Oof. yes you know or at least with enough work and enough study and enough research it's easy to be wise in the abstract but when it's you but even then I say to myself, wow, what a spiritual challenge. How perfect is this? That's yeah. it. Abstractly, I say. So I can see that. Um, and also the issue of misogyny mm. is, you know, when it comes to racism, homophobia, and anti-Semitism, I had a grip on those. Mm. I had a grip. Misogyny, because I had never experienced it much. I mean, I certainly knew times when I'd been mansplained to not taken as seriously, but never on the level that I've seen it here. Hmm. And, but, you know, there is that metaphysical, psychological concept. Love brings up everything unlike itself. Yeah. So... It is being in the belly of the beast. Another issue, and this goes back to what you originally said, when I, when you said such kind things, and I said, I'm grateful that you feel that way and even more grateful that you said it. Mm-hmm. The way people who agree with me and even know me enough to know I'm a decent person first of all, if they agree with me politically, why are they saying so? And Mm. second of all, people who know I'm a decent person who might not even agree with me politically, but who you would think would get online and say, hey, even if you don't agree with her politics, I don't even know if I agree with her politics, but like I've known her for 20 years and that's not who she is. So it's it's a crucible. Mm. I was going to say that I, I find that, I mean, so Danae and I both come from a depth psychology background. And I think that with our clients, we so often utilize some of these, most of these spiritual teachings. And I think what, what just struck me in this moment was, I don't think I've ever seen anybody in the political landscape speaking about even just this specific part of being in the political landscape, which is the being ripped apart, the being a social figure and what, you know, what comes with that and being able to utilize it as another form of going deeper in my own Mm -hmm. work. And of course, nobody's perfect. We're all going to fall into the ego. We're all going to fall into the self-defense. But, oh, I see that I'm doing that. And how can I use this to kind of further further that deepening. Right. And I, I just want to kind of mirror back how profound it is to actually hear somebody in this space, actually say those words out loud. And I, and I think that that gives such permission to so many people to be able to Mm -hmm. look at it and do the same. And so I just, I I, want to just mirror that back. Well, every situation from a metaphysical, psychological, spiritual, right. Is both an invitation to play things at a higher level, Mm -hmm. as well as a challenge to fall into the ego default position, right? Right. So that's the question. Can you pray for the happiness of every person who lied about you today? Yes. 
can you pray for the person whose job obviously is to take you down mm-hmm. or they see their job that way? Can you pray for the people who are not supporting you, who you supported and theoretically would, but you're radioactive. So they'll be, they're afraid they'll be radioactive. But then the other question comes up for me and I'm, I'm saying this to you with your backgrounds. And this is a question really, mm-hmm. that I honestly don't know. And I'll be curious what you think. Isn't there something wrong though, or is there something wrong about me being this honest with you on a podcast about that experience? Because like in the Course in Miracles, it says, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. So maybe there is something about burning through something without talking about it. And then the other side of it is what you just said, put it out there. Let's all look at this. Hmm. And I myself live with the question uh, more than the answer. Hmm. I love that. And I love, you know... I was thinking about what you were saying in terms of love bringing up everything unlike itself. And excuse me, something Vanessa and I have talked about a lot is that it feels like we are living through a moment in history where something is dying. Um, Certain patriarchal structures that have been at play for a very long time, um, I feel like are sort of reaching their final days. And yes, we can sort of stand back and look at it in the macro sense. And, you know, I think we're speaking to a little bit what it feels like to be in the micro of the day to day of, you know, this, this thing that is dying off and the struggle that comes at the end of its life. But I guess what I'm wondering is how do you stay in that space and not become the thing that we're sort of pushing against? And how do we, um, I don't know. How do we see it clearly in the belly of the beast? I don't like, how do we not become the thing that we fear or the thing that we push against? Well, the doctor doesn't become the disease. There are Mm -hmm. two things happening simultaneously. One, as you just said, a world is falling apart. This is a time of historic phase transition, historic. Mm -hmm. There've been other times in history like this. One world is passing away, but at the same time, let's not forget another world is struggling to be born. So we're living in a simultaneous moment of simultaneous phenomenon, one world passing away, one world being born. I think we are called to be both death doulas and birth doulas. Yes. Mm. Because the issue of that which is passing away, and this is why politics matters, it's going to pass away one of two ways. Either enough of us get this has to change now. It's unsustainable. And if we don't change it in the direction of greater democracy, hope, and justice, then it's going to change in the direction of autocracy, authoritarianism, and dystopia. Right. To be a death doula means it's going to change. It's either going to change. There's a line in the Course in Miracles where it says, it is, it's not up to you what you learn. It's merely up to you whether you learn through joy or through pain. Mm-hmm. So human civilization, is good. things are going to change. You're going to do it wisely. You're going to do it painfully. To do it wisely means we're going to create fundamental reform now. We're going to do it with wisdom. We're going to do it with consciousness. We're going to do it responsibly. So I don't think of, I'm not worried about getting, maybe because I've been spattered by so much blood, so much mud. And also, I say to you, I assume you're both American women. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have to be real careful. Mm. There are women standing up to the Taliban. That's right. There are women standing up in Saudi Arabia. Yep. American women should should check ourselves. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I think there's yes. a little toughen up buttercup that we need to say to one another. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Not being so precious, thank you. You know, I've said to some of my girlfriends who have said, how can I help you? I've said a couple times, I can tell you how you do not help me right now. Don't help me coddle my pain. Mm-hmm. Either be in or be out, Williamson. And if you're in, get up and get out there and be positive yes. and clear that stuff. And yes. I, I believe that, that we have to stand for being the midwife for that which has to die. And I don't know how you do that without involving yourself in politics because it has to do with economic structures, mm-hmm. social structures, criminal structures. And also we have to give birth. My sense of what you guys are saying and my own career so far, we have the birth doula thing down. 
Yes. That's the career we're already part of, articulating the new, teaching the new. But I think the death doula, um, the part of me that feels the political action must be part of this, sees that as part of the death doula. This stuff has got to pass now. You can't have, I'll give you an example. I'm in South Carolina right now, okay? 38% of the jobs in South Carolina do not pay a living wage. So that's a lot of human suffering. How can we talk about being priestesses of the new and not address that? Mm -hmm. By the way, I think I misspoke. It's only 38% do pay a living wage. So those are your children who are hungry. Those of your children who are going to school in places where because of the tax base, they're not even given uh, the adequate uh, resources so that these schools can't even teach these kids to uh, read by the age of 10. In which case, statistically, the chances of their ever graduating from high school are much less than their chances of incarceration. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, it's like in The Course in Miracles, it says, look at the crucifixion, but do not dwell on it. If all you do is look at it, it's like you were saying, then you kind of just spiral down. Mm -hmm. But if you just skip it and go directly to the resurrection, you're not in transcendence, you're in denial. Yes. So we can talk all we want about the spirituality and psychology of bringing forth a new world, but there's no spiritual or religious uh, tradition. And I don't think there should be any psychological tradition taken seriously that gives us a pass on addressing the suffering of other sentient beings. Yes. It's because how can I give these classes and write these books and be part of the whole priestess tribe and ignore these little kids? Yes. Especially once your eyes are open, and this goes into the woman thing, okay? They're not doing anything about it, and they're not going to do anything about it because they figure these little kids come from families who are so beaten down they're not going to vote. So Mm -hmm. they don't even feel that they need to address it, and that is now baked into the cake. Who, if if the divine mother is fierce when you mess with her babies, Mm. yes. Yes. And so I believe if we are truly in service of that divine feminine, we need to own her fierce aspect. Yes. Yeah. And just like in personal relationships, you know, our field has, we're very clear about boundaries. We're very clear about when, you know, sometimes you need to say no. At what point do we say, no, you can't destroy our democracy further. Mm -hmm. Right. No, you can't destroy our earth further. No, you can't destroy the habitability factor guaranteed for the future faster uh, uh, any mm-hmm. further it just what point do we say no i think sometimes love says no yes, yes. <laughs> another one of your teachings that i often come back to and i think you know what i find so inspiring and supportive about your words marian is there have been these moments like when there was this enormous attack on the bodily autonomy of women and the way that i feel like you meet these moments with which with, excuse me, what is to me a feminine principle of how do we use our imagination versus like just drop into the fear and say, we got to be curious about women who feel very differently than we do about this issue. You know, they also want their children to be safe. They also want food on their table. How do we get curious about why they believe what they believe versus making them wrong and demonizing them? Um, and it was so clarifying for me that like, we've got to come back into the space of collaboration. And that is the feminine from my perspective that has been missing from all of these conversations. What do you feel like people can do, um, that are inspired by your way of looking at things and your approach to things to be a part of this movement towards what I see as a more feminine principled way of holding how we heal all of this, how we move forward. You know, I think the kind of people who listen to a podcast like this, we are no longer in the phase of people who don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. We're in the phase of people who, if they really listen to their heart, do know what to do, but aren't sure they want to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's really important that we not infantilize each other. 
Mm-hmm. It's really important. Oh, poor baby. You know, I, and I'm feeling less of that in our field, but it's still there. Some it's been there. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, people are so wounded. Can we all just please grow up now? <laughs> we really need you. We really need you. Yeah. And, you know, I'm reminded of a line from um, Mahatma Gandhi hmm. where he said, somebody asked him, who is the leader of the Indian independence movement? And his answer was the small, still voice within. Yeah. So many times people say to me, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what God is telling me to do. And I'll say, you you know what God is telling you to do. You don't like what God is telling you to do. Or you're afraid of what God is telling you to do. Or you think maybe he doesn't have enough data. And if you tell him more tomorrow, maybe he'll change his mind. But every time you close your eyes and you ask, you get the answer. Yes. Mm -hmm. And now, this is interesting. Sometimes I would find, I remember one woman I talked to several years ago. And she said to me, I just, when it comes to political things, you know, it's just so complicated. I just don't even know what to do. I just, it's so complicated for me and I just don't know. And I said, I have watched you get online. There was a 34B pearl encrusted bra from Donna Karen in 1999. I have watched you. You wouldn't stop until you found it. Tell me you don't know how to Google. Yes. Girlfriend, when you want it, you fight, figure it out. So I know what No, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really need to support one another. The era of the ditzy woman is over. Over. Yeah. That's right. Over. Well, and also, God, like, today and I real. speak a lot about how, you know, even statistically, like, white women in particular are some of the biggest upholders of patriarchy in the society that there are. Right. And, and we talk a lot about, you know, just this, the way that the system has structured us to believe that, well, I might not be in the 1%, but at least I'm above somebody. Right. And so at least I'm as a white woman, at least I'm above black women, at least I'm above indigenous people, at least I'm above. And so we do this, like, at least I'm above, at least I'm above. And I don't know that it's mostly conscious. I would like to believe it's not. Um, but it, it hurts. It's a personal hurt when you see women upholding policies that they have to know on some level are actually anti them. You know what, though? You're talking to me when I'm in the midst of an experience where people who claim to be so feminist, mm. oh, yeah, who claim to be so against the patriarchy, are damning me based on no personal evidence on anonymous tweets, feminist, yep. except when it comes to Miriam Williamson. Other than that, you know, mm-hmm. women should have her voice. So I'm in a kind of cynical moment about those of us who judge other women who have different politics than us, because mm-hmm. I have not found that the left wing heart does not need as much purification as the right wing heart. Um, they have some, what you and I would call mean policies sometimes, but almost nicer personalities. Yep. We support nicer policies, but man, the meanness I see from people who purport to believe what you just said. Yes. So I'm living at a moment where I think all of us need to have mercy towards those who do not agree with us, maybe judge a little less. You know, I knew a woman, I do know a woman, And she was a congresswoman for quite a while. She's not now. And her daughter, in her 30s, with two young children, college professor, was diagnosed and ultimately died with lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And this friend of mine, who was the congresswoman, who was a Democrat, was a left-wing Democrat. Well, pretty moderate, really, but, you know, whatever. She was, she told me one day, she said, I am shaken and almost emotionally don't know what to do with the fact that more of my Republican colleagues stop by the office to check in about my daughter mm. and came to the office after she died. I don't, she said, it's almost, it's a, she didn't say cognitive dissonance, but I, I understood what she was talking about. So I, I don't think any of us any socioeconomic or political group has a monopoly on on morals or moral values. There are people such as you just mentioned. Look, some I would agree with you entirely, but there are others who I think if they were here would say, I think those things do matter, but I don't believe the government should get involved. 
Right. Now, I would say, and I assume from what you've said so far, you would say also that government should also express values. Right. I just think this is a moment for all of us to give up. I just know that that's my, you know, the Course in Miracles says there is no difficulty of, uh, uh, there's no order of difficulty in miracles. Miracles occur naturally, they said, and miracles are everyone's right, it says, but purification is necessary first. And that means we all have to purify. We all have to, it's like when I think of the people who say mean things on the internet or write mean, my, the only, what is the importance of this is Marianne getting into a space where I know that love is real, nothing else exists. Mm -hmm. That's got to be, you know, I opened my talk the other day with the quote from Rumi, mm -hmm. out beyond all ideas of good and bad, right or wrong, there is a field, I'll meet you there. Mm -hmm. It's the only place where we can meet. Yeah. I'm so inspired, Marianne, you know, even with what you said about us innately knowing um, more than we, we think we know, you know, I remember, um, in 2020 when George Floyd was murdered, there was this moment where I just was so struck with like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to raise my six-year-old boy in a world that hates him. Like, I can't do this. Where do I go? What do I do? And I closed my eyes and got still and I heard your voice. What happened to you? You know, and all of a sudden the wave of compassion and the fear was gone. I didn't feel afraid anymore when I held that man who was doing this horrific thing with something happened to bring you to this point. And I think what I hear and what you're saying is our work is to get our own house in order and look at where is there righteousness in me? Where is there fear in me? Where is there othering in me? Because I do think that is the only control that ultimately we have, um, over the, the collective, right? The Course in Miracles says the primary work of the miracle worker, or the primary responsibility, I think it says, of the miracle worker, is to accept the atonement for himself. Mm -hmm. Now, we get to the point of what you just said, and then that sweet spot, it seems to me, is, okay, I get that he's an innocent child of God, and to find that place where without emotion backed, without judgment, without any deviation from love, I am equally committed to, number one, holding him accountable mm -hmm. and holding the systems accountable, which allow mm -hmm. police officers like that to not only exist, but to continue to get jobs even when we know they behave that way. Yes. Yes. That's that sweet spot, and it's not easy that's the work though we have to support one another in doing mm -hmm. sometimes people say oh i got to the point where i love him therefore i can just give it up now no that's not true mm -hmm. other people say i'm going to hold those systems accountable deal with police brutality etc but they're coming from anger and that's not it either we have to find that place where i'm not angry yeah i'm just committed this must right. stop and for you danae there is that added thing which i understand as a jew which is this fierce, you did it to my grandparents and you're not going to do it to my kids. Mm -hmm. It is a fierce, this shall not continue. Mm -hmm. But from a place of, I get that he himself, the one who held the knee, what happened to him as a child? That's right. Right? And that's Absolutely. what I believe as American women and I think this is a global, you know, the problem is global. And I think the solution is a field that's global, that we support each other as women mm -hmm. to get to the love and to the commitment to make change. Mm. I'd be curious too, like right now it feels, I mean, just in having conversations with people and friends, it feels right now more than ever, even though there's been this uptick, especially in like Gen Z getting out, especially in the local government, I think people young people are doing an amazing job getting involved at a local level. Danae and I were just talking about this last night, like the importance of that, but also simultaneously feeling disenchanted with the greater political landscape because of how it just seems like 
and I've heard this directly from people like no matter what we do, right? Everyone's in somebody's pocket. Like everybody's, you know, some lobbyist is paying somebody. It's kind of like you were saying, it doesn't matter Democrat, Republican, you know, this woman that, you know, the Republicans were stopping by and being more compassionate. I mean, there's so much disenchantment and I have a hard time, like kind of um, giving people the push to stay in the cause. So I asked that person, I'd ask that person, have you made a TikTok for Marianne Williamson yet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing you have to say, that's right. They go out there and they use the tools of democracy. Sometimes abuse them, yes. But people who aren't out there being, you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Hmm. So when you have a presidential candidate who's running on the very things we're talking about, somebody saying, what can we do? Just makes me want to. Yeah. Look how that invisibilizes me. Look how that erases me. Right now, we're living at a time when everybody with any sophisticated consciousness about the climate is saying we need a climate emergency. Yep. Bobby Kennedy says, um, let the discipline of the free market handle it, which boggles my mind. What does that even mean? (laughs) The president is saying is giving more oil permits than even Trump and he's okay. The Willow project. So there is one candidate, who says, no, we need a climate emergency. I would do it immediately. I would cancel the Willow Project immediately. And then there are people out there saying, well, what can we do? Right. What can we do? What else do we have? And I'm like, what else do we have? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, but you know, yeah, but that's her. But what? you represent more than just you. I mean, I think that's it. If I were, if I were, if I were, uh, uh, what is this? The, yeah. the, it's witch burning, you know. Yes. uh, Mm. We use the, the, you know, on a psychological level, we use the term witch hunt because we know that psychologically it exists. I submit we need to get to the point of knowing which burning exists. Yes. It used to be she's a witch, she's a witch, she's a witch, she's a witch. Now she's a bitch, she's a bitch, she's a bitch, she's a bitch. Same thing. And another thing about the witch burning today on she's a bitch, she's a bitch, she's a bitch, she's a bitch. Very similar to she's a witch in that, well, have you ever seen her be a bitch? No, but I know somebody who said that. I they know somebody who said she's a bitch. Mm-hmm. It's, it yeah. feels similar to what happened to Clinton in 2016. I mean, it was so, the number yeah, of conversations I had. Yeah, It is an irrational, and I said that to somebody today, because I feel that it's very similar to Hillary. I mean, I was yep. for Bernie, and then Bernie didn't, you know, wasn't the nominee. Of course, I voted for Hillary. And I had known her a little bit during the Clinton years. I don't agree with her politically sometimes. Absolutely. She's far more neoliberal than me. But I think she's a nice person, actually. I mean, we all have disagreements, you know. But, my God, there was an irrational animus. And that's how I feel this this irrational animus towards the feminine in some way that women ourselves must speak to. And I think this is really important that you are saying this. Mm -hmm. And I think... Any woman listening, this is really important for us to hear. And I love that you brought up the witch burnings because there is something in that and in the the ancestral pain point of women and how we have shut down women by calling them crazy forever. Yep. And this is what we do. And this is how we, we keep women. This woman. Yes. It's right. so archival. I think it's the 16th century. Yes. She's That's mean right. and she's crazy. My God, it's like something out of Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know if you've heard about this Barbie movie and how many of these legislators are losing their minds, losing their minds. but it's just so much truth being spoken by women about the experience of women. And it's, it's fascinating in terms of what you, you were saying about, huh? oh, we both, I saw it like, the, oh, we're... I saw it the day it came out Gretta and I immediately, immediately texted today and I was like, go tomorrow. This is like a civic duty. Every woman in this country needs to see this movie. I'm sure you don't have all the time in the world to go to a movie theater, but Marianne, go see this movie. If someone it can is, get you a screener. Yes. It is like, it's, it's like the movie of so our generation. Necessary. It's the movie of our time. Yeah. Um, but it's, it is threatening because there are all of these truths that have never been spoken. And I think it's it's the rise. It's the rise of the feminine. And it's what you were saying about love brings up everything unlike itself. I think these truths coming to the surface are like the backlash is all about this is this is love um, vibrating. And it's terrifying to the powers that be that are trying to, to keep love down. But I think it's exciting. <laughs> oh, 
Well, I've heard various things. I've heard a wide spectrum of opinion about it. So mm. I am very curious. Actually. I would love to hear your thoughts. Know, <laughs> we, will, right? we will definitely be making TikToks for Marianne, but if you... Uh, <laughs> If you see it, I think it would be really interesting to hear you you speak your thoughts on it because it's I was so deeply moved by it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, we we are respectful of your time. I know, like I said earlier, you're a busy, busy woman, um, but we're just forever grateful. Danae is definitely more mm. of the words person in this duo, but I'm more of like the all I can feel in my body is just such a wave of gratitude for you taking this time um, in your busy schedule. And I know that you've just been such a great teacher to both of us. And so we're very appreciative to share you with our audience um, and you have our vote and we will be making TikToks. And, <laughs> and we will be making TikToks. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you will. I hope you, you and anybody who feels moved to support the campaign will uh, go to Marianne2024.com and um, sign up on the mailing list for the two of you. I will be back in Los Angeles and I will be uh, speaking there. So any support okay. spreading the word, I'd be very, very grateful. And uh, yeah. God bless you for what you do and uh, who you are. And thank you. It was an honor to be here with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so okay. much, Mary. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.